Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 12, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. The games are coming thick and fast, and I am joined by executive producer from behind the glass. He's coming in front of the mic, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome to the show on a midweek mayhem episode. Oh, yes. I forgot we have a, we have a, like WWE pay-per-views in midweek. I love this. Love this. We've got Tad on the predictors. We've got <laughs> midweek mayhem. I love it. Uh, but no, it's good. It's I mean- good. I mean, you you, you got to get these things ironed out if if you if you want to make your name for yourself. You've seen Triple H talking WWE. You've seen Triple H seems like he's going to streamline some of the pay per views. So exactly, maybe Tad and the Predictables were going to lose a member. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I'm only the joking. guy. Yeah, fair, fair guy. Look. It's midweek games, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if many fantasy league players or just Premier League players in general were caught off guard by these midweek games because to me, they seem like they've come out of nowhere. They weren't even spoken about in many of the games that I watched this weekend. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I was gearing up for games, you know, later, later on in the week, maybe a Friday kickoff. Um, But yeah, they obviously have to sandwich games in this season because of the world cup uh, happening in november december time how do you think a quick turnaround like this impacts um some of the teams in the premier league especially um if you're one of the teams that's maybe not been in europe regularly where your 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 players are sort of used to that three games in a week type scenario do you think it impacts teams in these games, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday fixtures of game week 12, or do you think that's going to bleed in more to game week 13, where teams are going to be playing on the weekend at the back end of having played two games um, and, and and maybe some of their players carrying some of those those kilometers that they've run on their legs? Yeah, I was fully ready for Liverpool to play Ajax this midweek. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Uh, yeah, I, I probably agree with them. I think the European lads will be ready for it. Um, they obviously been playing um, two games or three games a week, depending on when you actually play um, for for basically months now. Um, but the international break, but again, that's like four games, or it feels like four games in about a day. Um, but yeah, I think the European teams will be somewhat ready for it, but Liverpool have quite a lot of injury problems. Uh, Arsenal pretty clean. Chelsea pretty clean, relatively. City, yeah. Um, United have a lot of injuries, but some of them aren't injuries. Wink, wink. Um, but no, I think the Champions League and Europa teams will be fine. It, yeah, but I think... I'm not sure if they will... I mean, it might depend on the fixture difficulty in themselves. Because, I mean, you look... Forest. They may give it full barrels against um, Brighton, for example, but may rotate slightly against Liverpool at the weekend because they might see one as the more winnable game. But I think the teams that aren't used to midweek, they may have to rotate a bit just to try and avoid injury and stuff like that because that's what the big teams do. We've seen Haaland protected, Liverpool rotate quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, I think for the just the care of the squad, I think you'll see a bit of rotation in this midweek. But special circumstances like Forest playing Brighton, then Liverpool, they might see one as the more winnable game. But yeah, I think you'll see a bit of rotation. And that reminds me, I do have to do my FPL, so I might do that in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got to get it in somehow. You do. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what lineups teams sort of put out on the field. You mentioned, for example, City, how they managed their week um, last week when they're Champions League and then, you know, the big game against Liverpool over the weekend. Um, but yeah, Nottingham Forest, I, I can imagine, might have the the personnel to be able to rotate a lot more than other teams um, with the amount of business they did in the off-season. But Guy, we will start off with Nottingham Forest because they travel to Brighton to play, um, obviously, Brighton. Uh, Brighton versus Nottingham Forest. And before I move on to that, um, I know I teased an unofficial, official, unofficial team of the podcast last time out, um, and I've still not gotten confirmation from the suits upstairs, so I am waiting to see if I can get the green light on the teams that have been proposed. But, Guy, Brighton, I know personally for you, is a team that you do really really like then they're not your favorite club um but they're a team that you do like and you've had a a long-term affection for them since they've come back into the premier league but they came a bit unstuck against brentford last time out i mean not for the want of trying they they had quite a few chances in that game and and we'll get to raya's performance when we get to the brentford game in, in in the goalkeeper derby um, I think I'm going to dub um, when they play Chelsea. Uh, but Guy, for this one, Bright, uh, Brighton will be looking kind of to get a win, I'd imagine, against a Nottingham Forest team who obviously not done so well this season in terms of results. But some of the performances have been decent. Um, last time out, that 1-0 loss to Wolves. Uh <sighs> I think they'll be feeling a bit unlucky about coming away with that one um, without getting at least a result in that one. But can they get something from Brighton or do you see, you know, the team currently in seventh place um, back-to-back losses for Brighton, one against Tottenham and then that Brentford 2-0 loss. Is, is this the game that Brighton sort of bounce back and we get um, De Zerbi's campaign and tenure off to a bit of a 
a bit of a better start, so to speak. It's certainly the perfect game to do so, because Forrest <laughs> just, I don't know, just seemed to, obviously, the turnover of players, it may take a while, but there just doesn't seem to be any progression. Maybe the slightly more difficult to beat now. I mean, they only lost 1-0 to Wolves, but Wolves aren't allowed to score goals, so that's not really a measure of anything. <laughs> Drawing with Aston Villa, Villa don't do goals, and then, yeah, they'll concede lots of goals in the other games, so... It's and again, Brighton don't do goals. So it might, it, it's got either an. I'll put it this way: Brighton are the reason why they won't win this game if they don't win this game. Um, we we saw it. We saw it. They they were the better team against Brentford. Um, they just didn't put the ball in the back of the net, and that that's always been the issue. They they don't have prolific players. They have patchy players. We we saw it with Trossard ourselves against Liverpool. He had his most prolific game. Next week couldn't hit a band door. Um, or certainly didn't get in positions to be a hit to Bandor. Um Maybe we see something slightly different, maybe get some more forward areas in um, for Brighton players who are there missing from injury. Mitomo and Wepper, obviously, that's a sad situation. And Moda, so maybe not any starters, but maybe you got to... I think what Potter did so well was maybe getting safe lads in, and it kind of made... Well, a really safe system, like your Sully marches and stuff like that. I think if you're going to up the scoring, I think you got to maybe take out a Sully march and put in a Tariq Lamptey. Obviously, Lamptey's not been the same player since his, well, 500 injuries he's had. But I think that's start of the evolution you got to look at. I think you start got to start getting rid of them safe lads and add a bit more spice into it. And lads, like, obviously it's hard to do with the squad... Um, and not being able to buy anyone under a new manager, but Welbeck had a, has had a relatively good start to the season. But he's still Danny Welbeck. <laughs> um, but no, I think they just need a bit, just more clinical players in the team. Um, whereas Forest, Championship defence, everything else is like patchwork at the time. The whole midfield changes game to game. I, if it clicks for Brighton, I could see it being comfortable. But it's whether it will click. But I'll, I'll go. To 2-0 Brighton. Yeah, look, I, I think that would be a solid way to sort of get the ball really rolling um, for the new manager. And as you said, it, it's a team that sometimes struggles to score goals against a team that also struggles to score goals but is conceding them every now and then. I, I think the worry for me for Nottingham Forest in this game is just the movement of the ball from Brighton is going to cause them quite a bit of problems. And I don't know if a team that has been recently as, as assembled as they have um, in terms of a personnel perspective, whether they will have the discipline to stay in their patterns and shapes and positions from a defensive standpoint when Brighton are moving the ball, um, especially if Brighton do start getting closer and closer to what we've seen from Tezebi in the past, where... He, his sides have that patience to move the ball around um, and get people out of positions before they sort of hit that killer pass. If if we start moving towards that type of football in this game, I, I think they could have uh, real success. Uh, you've gone 2-0 to Brighton. I'm going to go 3-1 to Brighton. I'm going to give Nottingham Forest a bit of a bit of spice in this game. I, th I think they've got a goal in them. I you know, obviously the the they had the penalty that was um, saved last yeah. time out, 
um, I still like the movement and the creativity they have up front. I don't think their their strike force is as lethal as they needed to be in order to secure their their position in the Premier League, or at least guarantee their position in the mm-hmm. Premier League. I think that's going to be one of the main reasons why they don't um, sort of coast to safety. Um, they'll be in. They might be in and around the relegation battle for a while because mm-hmm. I don't see that lethal person up front. We gave the solution. Um, we gave the solution to <laughs> where they did not bring the Nigerian lads. They brought they Welsh not. lads who missed penalties. They, I know, I know. We, we, we told them what to do. We they did. didn't listen, and, and they suffered for it. But, yeah, so I've gone 3-1 there. And, Guy, look, a, a team that has suffered for maybe not necessarily not doing what we wanted them to do, but um, for doing what we wanted them to do in Wolves, in signing a striker, and then that striker then goes and gets injured. Then they go sign Diego Costa, who has started to get a few minutes in there for them. Um, obviously, they played the aforementioned um, Nottingham Forest last time out. They got that 1-0 win. It wasn't a Costa goal. It was a Neves um, finish, really smart finish from him, um, as is usually expected from um, Ruben Neves. Uh, coming up against the Crystal Palace side, who... Now, that Crystal Palace game was quite interesting in that it ended 0-0, yes, but it's one of those nil-nils that's quite palatable. I, I thought there was good enough football in that game to warrant a, a, a few goals. Uh, it just so happened that it ended up nil-nil. And again, Palace are in those situations where maybe at the end of the games, they're regretting not getting you know the result over the line or maybe the results not matching their performances. But they come up against the Wolves side who, as we've mentioned, struggling to score goals, Palace are at home. It's an evening game. Um, I, I'm, I've made no secret about the fact that Salas Park is probably my favorite stadium in the evenings for Premier League games. Um, so, you know, you can tell which game I'm going to be watching on Tuesday night, although they don't start at the same time. So I'll be able to catch both games. But I'll definitely be glued to that Crystal Palace Wolves game once the game gets going. What have you made of Crystal Palace? I mean, Zaha up front um, most of the time. Um, Edward thrown in there mm-hmm. every now and again. Versus a Wolves side who, as we said, everything is pretty until it gets to, you know, the people up front for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, you know, their most lethal player over the weekend was Eight Nuri, their, their left back. Um, and he had some chances to to win that game by even more, in my opinion. Uh, Kilman had a chance for them again. Again, that's a centre-back. And, of course, the goal came from midfield. So is it a situation for Wolves to, to and I want to say survive Southhouse Park, because, as I said, I, I really like the atmosphere there in the evenings. Is it a case of getting that goal from elsewhere or just maybe keeping the game low-scoring with that midfield, looking to control the game and, and then maybe see if they can get a result. Quite possibly. And I think, wasn't their goal actually a penalty from Nevers rather than a, an actual goal yeah. as well? So, yeah, yeah it's um, open play doesn't seem to be their, their uh, forte, <laughs> but it's never been their forte. So, well, not, not since Jimenez's um, injury, sadly. Um, or, and Jota leaving it as well. Um, they never really replaced his goals. Um, 
as well as Jimenez's. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree making Palace the favourite team. The only good thing for Wolves is that Nathan Collins came back after his beautiful red card. Um, we all we all felt it. Um, so maybe that can free up, because I've not really seen that Totty lad play, and I know Neves played there and um, at centre-back in Lars's last game, if I remember correctly. Um, so you can go back to playing a normal back four or whatever. Um, who, I don't know what system the uh, interim manager actually played. Um, but yeah, some normality back there. But no, I, do, I, I would agree escaping uh, Selhurst Park with a point would be a really good point for Wolves. Um, but I don't really see it. The only thing with Crystal Palace is I'm not convinced by Edward starting. Um, I don't think Zaha's well, again, he's just Wilfred Zaha. Patchy. Um, and he's I don't think he's in the best of patches at the minute. But I do like the midfield that he was using before the last game with um, Dekure, Eze and Elise as a midfield three. Obviously, it's quite attacking. But you're playing Wolves. They have no goals in them. So why not play an attacking midfield? Obviously, Leicester's quite different because they're underperforming massively and they're dreadful at the minute. But... You still got to worry about the threat of Madison, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes, etc. Um, whereas Wolves never is running beyond you. So I, why why not play the attacker midfield and go for a bit of excitement? Um, the Jordan Ayew thing, though. Obviously, this was <laughs> this was your this was your team a couple of seasons ago, and we, I think everyone was complaining about Jordan Ayew there. Um, maybe it's just a lack of options or whatever, and probably Elise is the alternative on the right wing. But yeah, it's just the what and that and probably right back. Although I think Joel Ward's done quite well, to be fair to him. It's just, it's just a glaring weakness. It's like, mate, you're you're an all right outlet, but you don't do anything else. You can fix that other ways. But no, I think if Palace click, I think they should they should have enough. But I do like their midfield. Um, I think it'd be a tight game because I don't think Wolves get tonked that often. Um, I will go one nil Crystal Palace. Oh, yeah. Um, that midfield battle is going to be quite interesting for me. And you mentioned, you know, depending on how Crystal Palace go about it, do they go with that attacking midfielder or do they try and maybe match Wolves in midfield and, and have sort of a more combative battle in there? It will be very, very interesting for me to see. Uh, 1-0 for you. Uh, I had written down here 2-0 to Crystal Palace. I do think they've got a chance to... To, to, I say dominate this game. I, 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 I doubt they're going to dominate the midfield, but I think dominate the game in the important areas, which is the two mm-hmm. boxes. Um, I, I just back them to be more lethal, more clinical, more decisive uh, when it gets to those positions. But we'll move on to a team that's found their form, um, certainly in front of goal of late. It's Bournemouth. They will be entertaining Southampton. Now, Guy... When uh, obviously affectionately known and beloved to EPL Index, Scotty Two Coats, aka Scotty Parker, aka does he know what he's doing or does he know what he's saying? Because Scott Parker promised us that this Bournemouth side was doomed to you know absolute failure and relegation quite swiftly, and and they've seemed to have some sort of a fight back, some sort of renaissance um, since he's departed now. They obviously had the 2-2 draw over the weekend with Fulham, but 
that was Fulham fighting back twice to to get back into that game. So Bournemouth could have easily won that game, I thought. Um, it's the Solanke early goal, then they had that Lerma go, goal as well. Obviously, billing Lerma playing maybe a bit closer to Solanke has been one of the big differences. I think they look a bit more disciplined defensively as well. Um, obviously, I mean, they conceded two goals, but it's a lot better than what was happening earlier on in the season. And they come up against the Southampton side, who I, I still think they're trying to find their identity this season. Um, they had that 1-1 draw with West Ham, but I I dare say I don't think Southampton fans would feel I'm being harsh by saying, you know, West Ham probably should have walked away with all three points in that game. But what do you make of this game? Is this a, is this a game where Bournemouth would be eyeing it up? Um, you mentioned earlier in, in the podcast that there might be teams who will decide their team sheets based on who they play on on the weekend. Um, Bournemouth play West Ham on Monday. Now, some may say mm. that leaves them enough time between Wednesday and Monday to rest their players yeah. and, you know, so be able to play the same 11 in both games. Do you think, A, that is the situation, or do they look at these two games and say, look, let's get the points on the board against Southampton. So whatever we need to do, if it if it means playing, you know, a, a, a Billing or a Solanke or someone we don't want to play at 90, but if it means guaranteeing the points against Southampton, let's do that. And then we sort of see where the squad is, and hopefully there's enough time to recover come Monday when we play West Ham away which is going to be a very difficult game. Well, that's the thing. Would you rather beat Southampton and lose to West Ham, or would you rather have two draws? You'd rather, <laughs> you'd rather win one and lose one, wouldn't you? Go all out against Southampton. I mean, Southampton missing probably their two best players of the season so far, and that's um, Bella Ketchup, Ketchup, I can't say his name, Bella Ketchup, yeah. I should say, uh, and Lavia, who only, I mean, he only had a handful of appearances, but he was so impressive in them. Um, and they're both seemingly going to miss this game. And I think that might mean Southampton are playing two left-footed centre-backs, which means I have to predict a 7-0 win for Bournemouth. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is disgusting. Unless Coletta Carter is secretly right-footed, then I apologise. Um, but no, Southampton, man. We we say this all the time. I say this to Dave every Friday. Who the hell knows? <laughs> just, they could be... Well, I think mean, it was the City game a few weeks ago. It was like, yeah, they might beat City. We have no logic for it, but they might. They didn't, obviously. But we were just like, they probably could beat City and then lose the next week to whoever. Um, yeah, it's a tough one with Southampton because it seems to be... Is it toxic yet with the manager? I'm not sure it's quite Rafa Benitez at Everton just yet, but they do seem to be turning out Ralph Hassan at Hull every passing result. But... Bon, have you, as you said in the question, Bournemouth have been really good. Where are Bournemouth? Mid-table. Yeah. Uh, and I think Dave worked it out today on, on today's two-footed that his points per game or whatever is on course for about a 60-odd point season. So, you know, wow. he, he's the greatest manager in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, he's done he's done an exceptional job. And yeah, you've got to give him the permanent one there. Just one where I first sit on the fence. This is the first draw today, you Oh my mm, god! Is it, is it? To be fair, to be fair, you've gone to get to three games in now. Um, 
I've not so gone I'm, through I'm quite, it yet. I'm quite proud of you. I've not gone through it yet. I mean, Brighton Forest has oh, had nil nil all fair. over it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. right, right. I'd, I'm I'm going to go for it. Screw it. Southampton two one, and then I don't know who will be on the next one. But I reckon Bournemouth will beat West Ham weirdly, so it'll be the reverse of what we said. Um, but Southampton are due a win. But if he doesn't win, okay. I could probably see Ralph getting sacked if he doesn't win. But I like Ralph, so I'm going to back him. All right. Yeah, and he's, he's got two wins um, this season, two out of ten. Um, no wins in their last five, a draw in their last game, and that 1-1 one, one against Southampton this past weekend we mentioned. But you've gone 2-1 Southampton. And look, I've mentioned it before. I, You know, you know, Samson had the long hair, and, you know, when they cut it, all his piles were away the moment the moment Hasenhutl stopped wearing that beautiful waistcoat mm. things just went awry guy so hashtag bring back the the the, the original waistcoat it's and autumn. maybe it's waistcoat weather <laughs> you know what he needs to pick a struggle either you win games with the waistcoat or you you know stay warm yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's an easy choice just, for me. Just wear a coat personally. but have the coat open so we can all see. Wear, wear the waistcoat outside of the coat. Oh yes. <laughs> wear a wear a G wear a G and a waistcoat and a hoodie. And you've got all Beautiful. three. And he'll obviously you're have making, chinos. You're on. making Scotty Parker jealous. I'm yes. just saying. Like that's something that he, well, he well, would we probably saw him, to we saw him leveled up. In between jobs, he went from two coats <laughs> to two cardigans. It's going to be like four shirts next job he takes, which will probably be in the championship. But one can yeah, only exactly. imagine. But guy, I'm going to go against you in this one. I'm mm. going to go two one Bournemouth. I'm going to back the team that's in the better form at the moment. Um, Bournemouth haven't lost a game in their last five games. They've got three wins so far this season. The four draws, um, only three losses. I think that um, similar to the Crystal Palace Wolves games where I'm backing the strike force, mm. I think Solanke is in a, in a bit of a rhythm. I'm liking the fact that he's got players playing a lot closer to him, giving him that option of, you know, feeding off of players. So I'm I'm, I'm going to lock in a Solanke goal. That, that's boring and, and logical. Gonna... That's logical oh, and look, boring. Sometimes boring and logical works out. <sighs> Ask Conte. Boring and logical works out, mate. Nah, Look only... at Conte flying at at, at, at Spurs at the he's moment. He's like third in the table. That's just weakness. Who wants to it's be third? The best start ever. It's Tottenham. <laughs> though. I don't count. It's boring and logical. Con- Conte already sees Conte already sees third in that picture, and you know it. He's disgraceful <laughs> at third. True, he's probably pissed off at that. Oh God, um, Liverpool are ten points behind Spurs. Oh my God, this yeah, season. Yeah, <laughs> you're boring and logical. Exactly. Uh, we, we beat Matt. We stopped the Invincibles. We can take our victory lap. <laughs> we'll get to you in yeah. a minute, Ty. <laughs> Literally a minute, or maybe three minutes, because we got Brentford versus Chelsea to speak about first. And I told you at the beginning of the show, this is dubbed the goalkeeper derby because we saw what Raya did this weekend on on Friday night. He pulled off some incredible saves to keep Brentford not only in the game, but ahead in the game. And then we saw a similar goalkeeping performance. I, dare I say better goalkeeping performance from Kepa um, mm. on Sunday. Like, guy, 
is any team scoring this one? I was I, I know you were hinting at um the draw in the previous game, but is this just going to be a nil-nil draw where the keepers just decide to turn on, or was it a one-hit wonder type of performance? I mean, Kepa, I haven't seen a performance like that from Kepa in a good while. It's like him and James Milner decided was this was the weekend. Since he was at like pretty much. Him and James Milner had yeah. a pact that this was the week this was the redemption weekend. Um, they pulled off some incredible performances. But, Guy, nil-nil scoreline? How are we seeing this game? Brentford versus Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea are getting in a bit of a groove. Mm. Uh, Potter's in there now. Um, four wins on the bounce for Chelsea as well. I haven't been as impressed by Chelsea as a four wins in their last five would suggest and four wins out of their last four would suggest. But we've seen with, for example, Arsenal, if you just start getting wins on the board, the performance may come. Um, mm. And certainly Chelsea are getting wins on the board. Coming up against Brentford, who we kind of dubbed the gatekeepers of <laughs> the Premier well. League. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, they beat Brighton. We thought Brighton mm. was a thing this season and then they went and got stopped by Brentford. So True. I'm, still ke- I'm still maintaining Brentford as the gatekeepers. If you want to be somebody in this Premier League division, you got to go and beat Brentford. So, are Chelsea something in this season? Uh, Kepa seemingly is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's nice to see him have a little redemption arc, but I don't really care. He seems like a Ag won't swear, but he seems like a bit of a uh, uh, nob. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it isn't. Maybe it's a battle of who gets in the World Cup squad for Spain because obviously Kepa used to be in there, and I think Raya and Sanchez from Brighton um, seem to be the backups to that Simon from Atlet nowadays. Um, so that could be an interesting arc there. You have to make Chelsea the favourites. I think obviously the league forms on the upturn as well, but they've had impressive results against Milan as well um, and the second performance was a bit better even though I turned it off to the red card because that was a nonsense um, yeah I, I think Chelsea have to back them and I just remembered Edouard Mendy had a worldy game in this fixture last year as well so maybe it was one of them yes, he did. Um, I'll back Chelsea it's just odd with Potter though because he does well it was a criticism at, at Brighton as well he does um, mess about too much, but he does have injuries. Silver being injured, that might be nice because you don't have to hide him as much. Fafana's injured, though. Reese James is a huge injury, and Kante, I think he had a setback, didn't he? So that's not fun. Um, who playing the back for them? Kula Bali, Kukurea, Chalibur? They might go two at the back. Possibly. Is that too crazy? Yeah, Chilwell had a bit of a nightmare against Villa, didn't he? So maybe take him out the the firing line or something and put Cuckoo. Um, I don't know why I just abbreviated his name, Cuckoo at left back. I was speaking Twitter language there. Um, <laughs> God, what am I doing? Uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe go back to the fall play, um, Koulibaly and um, Chalabar in a two or something like that. Uh, probably suit Aspilqueta as well. Um, I I'm kind of talking myself into Brentford doing things here. I think as Kula Bali Barra's debut, where he scored a world, he's looked a bit of a mess. Unless I'm, do you reckon that as well? Yeah, I think. Look, I, I think the worry for him was always that he waited a, a couple mm. of seasons too many to to come to the Premier League, um, and 
I don't know if the fact that he has to come in and join a back three is also something that he's having to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be interesting if they do go to a back four, whether or not you know his performances pick up in the game there, then that will prove that theory right. But you know, when you were filing off the different names that they could have put at the back there, for some reason I just thought Chelsea have thrown um Loftus cheek in the back at, at times before. So I wouldn't be surprised oh, if he gets thrown back there as well. I haven't totally scored interesting things. Um yeah, so it, it it should be an interesting development for Chelsea from that defensist side of things. And as you said, if you're Brentford, you're hoping to capitalize on mm. any sort of disorganization or unfamiliarity between the Chelsea players at the back. Um, and it's at home for Brentford. Look, as the gatekeepers, you're expecting them to give Chelsea a, a tough task, but... I'm going to go with a 2-1 Chelsea win in this one. They just seem to be eking out results um, left, right, and center at the moment. And I'm going to go with the form team once again in this podcast. I swear it's not going to be the (laughs) entire podcast when I go with the form team. Or is it? Mm. We will find out. But, Guy, so I've gone 2-1. You've gone... I was going to say two, I, I was going to say two one. I kind of talked myself into Brentford getting some input. <laughs> I'll three two Chelsea. I think that'll be a good Ooh. game. I think I've talked myself into Tony doing damage. Do yeah. Do I captain Tony on FPL? No, that's a discussion for later. Um, <laughs> but I think Tony against people like Kula Bali and stuff like that. I think that might be a, a worry for Chelsea, but. Sterling looks really good. Mount obviously had the two goals against uh, Villa. Um, Aubameyang can do goals, maybe not much else. Um, but they are dangerous going forward, and that seems to be what Potter Potter's fixed. Obviously, the defence looks a bit more open, but I think they look a bit more balanced than what, what Tuchel was doing, especially towards the end. Um, so I think that could be fun. Maybe a tad open with the, um, with the people missing in Chelsea's defence uh, and midfield, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be quite a fun game, but I'll have to watch the next one. <laughs> so it doesn't matter to me. Interesting stuff. And Guy, you, you have been sort of teasing, talking about them. So I will let you wax lyrical maybe about the weekend's performance. If you if you do want to, um, I'm talking, of course, talking about West Ham, I mean, Liverpool. Um, your team came out good against Man City. Uh, not a great start to the season, but, you know, they, they might not be winning the war, but they certainly won one of the big battles they needed to this season. Um, They will be playing at home again uh, in midweek. They'll be entertaining a West Ham side who they looked like they were starting to get things sort of going. Um, The back-to-back wins over Wolves and then Fulham last time out. And then they get that 1-1 draw against Southampton. But as I mentioned earlier, I do think West Ham were unlucky not to get all three points in that one. Do you think... This is a really tough test for Liverpool. Now, I, I I position this in this way. For me, I don't think... Now, now I know, obviously, the confidence and the feel-good factor and all of the stuff that people are going to say about Liverpool beating Man City, right? But if Liverpool then go and lose their next game or draw their next game... Does it really matter that they beat City because, from a Liverpool perspective? For other teams like Arsenal, they'll be obviously loving the fact that Man City lost. But yeah. I mean, for Liverpool, 
My issue is going into this week before they played Manchester City, they would have looked at the fixtures with Man City and West Ham. Maybe you throw in Nottingham Forest in there as well and said, from those games, we are hoping to get the best we can hope. Well, the best you can obviously hope for is nine out of nine, right? Fair enough. Whatever. Mm. Super fans can vote for nine out of nine. But realistically, with the way Liverpool are playing, with the form that they have, with the way Man City are playing and the form that they have, Liverpool, best case scenario, would be looking for seven points from the the span of those three games. And that would have been a fantastic outcome for Liverpool based on the way they've been playing this season, right? So if they Mm -hmm. then go and draw or lose to West Ham or Nottingham Forest over the next two games, it's just the same as reversing, you know, the the City results. Like, what was the point of them beating City if you're then going to go and drop those points to one of the teams you did expect to win? So for me, I think there's pressure on Liverpool to they have to get nine out of nine points. Otherwise, I don't personally see where where the victory lies, you know, the, the, the moral victory comes from Liverpool. More so because they're probably going to then end the week in a bad way because they're gonna lose points to the team they expected to get points from, which is probably gonna take all of that momentum that they had against Man City and bring it all the way back down. Yeah, that's certainly a concern. Um, I think that's all been the case with Liverpool. I think nothing was as complete a performance as the Man City one, especially with the difficulty of opponent. Um, but would I trade Man beating Man City and Pep Guardiola's head exploding for a draw with West Ham? You got that right, I would to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, you are right. I think we do have to aim for nine out of nine points with these games now that we got over the... I'm touching all the wood, Liverpool fans, don't worry. The difficult fixture. But West Ham, albeit they've been patchy in the league, I think they've done really well in Europe. Um, they're still a dangerous team and they're still growing into what they've become in the summer. Obviously, um, a few of the lads they signed got injured. Some of them aren't really worked out, but Skamakas seems to be growing into it and stuff like that. And um, Piquet is obviously really good. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll still be a difficult game. <sighs> I think the only difference between this and the other four stones to do is that we're seeing we we saw actual change. We we didn't have Mo Salah hugging the assistant referee. We didn't have Jordan Henderson <laughs> playing false midfielder role. We didn't have Trent playing as a striker, a right mid, a left mid, and a right back at the same time. Um, we saw football. We didn't see some FM FIFA manager's wet dream. Um, by lads who like to publish books. <laughs> um, wow, shots fired. Well, it is. I just, it, the similarities to his Dutch team are there, aren't they? And it, was, it, was, it clearly wasn't working. So we've kind of gone back to basics. The issue there is the injuries Liverpool have picked up. And maybe we'd give it all for that Man City game. And the come down three days later might be a bit tough. Um, we mentioned rotation there. I think Liverpool's most important game coming up still the Ajax game for me. We have to get through in the Champions League. We can, if we screw up in these next two games, I mean, we can still rescue top four, obviously. But if we screw up against Ajax, I don't want to have to go then beat Napoli on the last game of the Champions League group because Napoli are terrifying. Um, so yeah, I think that's the most important one coming up. Um, 
Yeah, so hopefully it's just we've took the lessons that we brought from the second half of Rangers, the Man City game. We've got more Salah firing again, which is the most important thing. When Darwin... Well, he's something. <laughs> he's a big ball of chaos. I'm not sure if he's a footballer just yet. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got options in the forward line. I think it's just the Trent question: Do we play him at right back? Do we push him up in front of a Milner or a Gomez? But we don't have really centre back options, so it probably would be Milner. Then left mid: Are we going to roll with the two young lads on the wing on the wings? That'll be a big question mark seeing as Carvalho has now only really played their one game for us or a couple games for us um, so yeah there's a lot of question marks there and may- maybe we have to do another tactical change with much more central options at the min but I think Naby and Ox are apparently nearly back I think Curtis Jones is back so maybe one of them can play on the left and the right to be fair Um it's just a shame Jota got injured, so he's so good in that game. But uh, West Ham, yeah, as I said, Skamaka's looking really good, um, like Paqueta. I like Fornells, but I think he's kind of been dropped into the rotation a bit more. And, and Rice is, I'm not sure if he'll be at West Ham after the season. I, I, I'd take him at Liverpool in a heartbeat. Um, he, he, he's That's going to be a, phenom- a phenomenal test um, for our two lads, and obviously Suche. I don't think he's had the best start to the season, but he's still very good. Um I think we can get at their defence, though. I think Zuma was missing, which is obviously a big miss. Let's see what this is. Is Zuma back? 75% back on Zuma, so that's not good for Liverpool. Um, But Zuma's good. um, Does kick cats, though, so still that's not good. Um, But that carer doesn't look up to much for me. Craig Dawson, I think you could kind of get at at times, although he's a doubt as well, so I have no idea who'll play. I have no idea who'll play in the back line. Maybe they'll back free with Emerson and Creswell I am rambling a bit here I'm going to back Liverpool and hopefully it is lesson learned, I think it might be a bit of an ugly game again, I don't think Liverpool will be back to their flying best of the last couple of months of last season or last three months of last season I'll go for a 2-1 Liverpool Um, but Van Dijk looked back to his best and if he continues that hopefully Liverpool build with him but as I said Mo Salah looked like he could score from from a moment of magic at any point in that game, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully you get something because he's my own, he's my only captain option in FPL. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible what happens when you start giving your best player as much of the ball as you can. It's crazy, just- isn't it? Keeping him on an island out wide, um, but guy, yeah, as you mentioned, Van Dyke really played really well against uh, Man City, and he still holds that you know record of of not having Absolutely. lost. A Premier League game uh, at Anfield for Liverpool, which is just insane. Um, yeah, for this game, I think I think Liverpool do get through. With I'm gonna go with your two one. Um, I'm gonna match mm-hmm. you on that two one. The thing I'm going to watch though, guy, is the application of the players. It's all well and yes. good getting G'd up and putting in big performances when you're playing Man City. Right, they, these two teams have been rivals for the last four or five years. Right, they've been playing for almost everything uh, at, at most times. Right, fair enough. The players, you know, it's pride thing for them. They haven't been playing well this season. Um, we might lose the war to Man City, but we're going to win this battle. We've seen teams do this time and time again. The amount of times Man United have beaten Man City 
um, in the pre- in previous seasons where Man United haven't looked great in other games. It happens. Big players step up for these big games, even when their team isn't playing well. My issue is what then happens now that that big game's out of the way? You know, they're playing on a Wednesday night where there's 700 billion games going on at the moment. So it's not going to be the, the 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 feature game that everyone's going to be watching. I mean, there's a much tastier game um, on yeah. that uh, on Wednesday um, that we're going to get to in about two games time. Mm-hmm. So what's going to be the application of the Liverpool players? So far this season, I think they've been found wanting in terms of, I think some of the Liverpool players have shown with their performances that they didn't believe they were going to win the title and they lost that edge that they usually play with when they think they're going to win the title or stand a chance of winning the title. Um, And Klopp ball doesn't allow for players not to give 100%. Like if if you don't give 100%, you're going to struggle in games. That's just the nature of the way Klopp plays. Other teams, you can get away with just talent alone. Klopp's style has shown that it needs the effort from the players as well. Um, or you change your style and, and you know, go to a 4-2-3-1 like we've been telling them to do for a while now. But, yeah, so I think Liverpool escaped this game, but it will be interesting to see their attitude in this game and then obviously on the weekend against Nottingham Forest. Look, we can't, we can't lay that um, charge against Newcastle in, in, in terms of the effort they've shown this season. I think Newcastle players have put in quite a bit of effort this season. Obviously, they had that nil-nil draw against Man United at Old Trafford. You know, in, in a bubble, you think at going to Old Trafford, you know, that that's a good result, a nil-nil. We didn't lose. We'll play Everton next and, and we get our points there, knowing that you have Spurs away over the weekend. Now, if there's a team where I'm interested to see how they rotate, it's going to be this Newcastle squad because I'm looking at all those games. I mentioned you had the Man United game away from home, very tough fixture, despite, you know, all the problems United have in the recent past. I still think that's a tough fixture for Newcastle. Then they have the home game against Everton, which now becomes a must win considering the form of Everton and how they've been um, under Frank Lampard. And then after that, you have an away game against Spurs who are very difficult to break down and difficult to play. This is a team who it's going to be interesting what kind of squad management, what kind of rotation they bring into this game because can they afford to rotate too much against Everton knowing they've got Spurs away in their next game? Is is this not that perfect conundrum of do I take the points against Everton with my strongest team and kind of see what happens against Spurs? Or how how do you manage this if you're Eddie Howe going into the week against Everton? And obviously from an Everton standpoint, we know what they're going to do. Park the bus, hope for something on the counter. I'm, t- mm-hmm. I'm tired of, of giving, <laughs> you know, eloquent and elaborate, you know, schemes of what Lampard's doing. That's basically what Lampard's doing. Park the bus, hit them on the counter, hope for something on the counter. I'm not a fan of, Lampard I'm not a, a I'm not afraid to say I'm not a, a fan of Lampard I think his football's boring I think it's unimaginative I think it's tactically inept um and you know what he's at Everton so I'm not really too worried like if he wants to say there fair enough I don't mind but I would imagine that Everton could do a lot better than Frank Lampard but 
anyway, Guy, um, what do you think of this game? Uh, just on the Frank Lampard thing, I think the only thing with that Everton, such a toxic club at times, they finally found someone they like. I don't know why they <laughs> pick. I don't know why they picked a Tory from London, but yeah, fair enough. It's like the most ever Everton thing ever. But hey ho, um, and it is tragically bad football. But maybe they're just used to it by now. Um, but in the other question with Newcastle. <laughs> At home, I know Everton are horrid to play against. We obviously experienced uh, Liverpool have experienced that with um, the derby before the international break, if I remember correctly. Um, it was a horrendous game. They're just horrid to play against, but I think they kind of have to be. You've got Conor Cody, Tarkovsky, Coleman, whilst Patterson's out. Mikalenko's basically a centre-back as well. So I just don't really think you can play expressive football that way. But, yeah, it doesn't have to be that dour. Um, I'm going to make Newcastle the favourites for this. I think my theory is if Callum Wilson's fit, barring, well, if Liverpool are actually Liverpool and Man, and Man City and maybe Arsenal now um, and Spurs because they're horrid to play against, as you said, as long as Callum Wilson's there, I think they're a very big, dangerous team to anyone. Um, really like the midfield with Joel Linton, Bruno... It's usually Shelby, um, but obviously Willock, if it's more of an attacking team or um, long stuff, I think we saw against United. Um, so they can mix it up a bit in midfield. Defence is fine. Um, I think Shah came off injured, but maybe he's won the rotate because I think he came off with cramp um, or whatever. But in terms of answering your question, just go all out against Everton. The Tottenham game will sort itself out. Um, yeah, you can... You can get through it. You can get through it because if you get if you get three points on the park uh, on the board against Everton, it's a free hit against Spurs. Like what? Where at? Where are Newcastle? Newcastle. Uh, why am I scrolling downwards? Newcastle sixth. <laughs> if they beat Everton, they're up to eighteen points. It could take them above United. Obviously, that's the next game we'll look at. Um, yeah, it could take them into the Europa League proper place. Um, and that's probably the t- the top end of their aims for this season because unrealistically they were not going to get top four. So get the three points um, and then worry about the Spurs game after because that's a free hit. So yeah, go all out against them. Then you can rotate your Callum Wilson for a Chris Wood or whatever because um, obviously you have to protect him and put him in bubble wrap even when he's like walking the dog or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, all out. And I w- I'll go... I don't think Everton are going to get tonked because if you have seven people on the line at all times, I don't think you can. I will go uh, 1-0 Newcastle. I think that'll be boring, that one. Oh, 1-0 Newcastle. But as, as you said, as, as long as they've got Callum Wilson on the field, um, it's promising for them. Everton, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of speaking about Frank Lampard football. Uh, but I you know they what they do give themselves with this tactic is a puncher's chance you know they 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 there's every possibility that they could get a team you know on the counter and be efficient with their goal scoring everton fans will argue you know with the chances for example for onana if he scores that against um spurs over the weekend does it you know change the result or make the game a bit more spicy that that's the plan but when until their players start executing, I mean, uh, Anthony Gordon's goals have dried up recently. Um, 
where where is that counterattack goal going to come from? They need to be clinical because I don't think they're going to fashion a whole lot of chances for themselves in this game. I'm expecting Newcastle to be able to wrestle the midfield battle um, away from Everton in this one. And I think more more Everton relinquishing it as in any case than Newcastle necessarily having to do too much fighting to get dominance there. And I just think, yeah, the 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 forwards that Newcastle have are going to be able to see them through this game. I've gone 2-0 to Newcastle in this one. Um, and we'll move on, Guy, to the game of the week. I almost said weekend. The game of the week um, in Man United versus Spurs. Now, Guy, obviously, you before we, we started the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, during pre-production meeting, I know you sort of mentioned, oh, all the games are on Prime this week for the midweek games but guy not everyone has amazon prime uh so not everyone's going to be able to watch these games through amazon prime but if you do want a chance to watch the games and you don't want to have to hassle with the headache of you know trying to figure out where these games are being shown i highly recommend that you guys link up with our presenting sponsors this podcast is presented by eplindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25 for 25% off your router or software VPN. Um, It's a virtual private network. It's a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address and shield your online data from third parties. You guys can change your locations. You can avoid geoblocks and government imposed restrictions to access any website finally go check out our epl index shop it's getting close to christmas guys and if you want to get really cool christmas presents you will find the epl index shop at um on etsy uh, use the coupon code epl10 and you get 10 percent off at checkout mr guy drinkle man united versus spurs is anyone going to have the ball in this game or are they just going to be kicking it goalkeeper to goalkeeper trying to give each other possession? Friggin' Harry Kane might have a go. <laughs> That's about it. Um, <laughs> it's basically the only person who might want the ball in the game. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because I think these games do sometimes descend into chaos. Um, but I think maybe people expected something similar when they played Everton and it was just horrendous. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> um, uh, it's just odd. It's 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 two teams, as you said, two teams who don't want the ball, do the best work on the counter attack. Uh, I suppose the main question is: Is Kulusevski back? Because I think that will help Spurs. Where's T? He's edging his way back slowly but surely. Twenty five percent, apparently. Yeah, so maybe... I, I think the midweek might be a bit too early yeah. for him. Maybe the weekend. But guy, both teams. I mean, if we look slightly ahead. Chelsea play Man United um, at Stamford Bridge and then Spurs play Newcastle, as we mentioned a bit earlier on. Does that also affect this game? Like, can these teams afford to look past this game? Um, Or, you know, I mean, for Man United, some might argue that's the tougher, you know, outfit because they've got Spurs and then Chelsea. But Newcastle have been spicy this season, so Spurs don't have it easy as well. It could become a very horrible week for Man United if they're not careful in this one. Do you think them being at home, them having that draw with Newcastle and knowing they're playing Chelsea 
over the weekend put a bit more pressure on them and emphasis on them to maybe then grab the ball and try and be the aggressive team? I mean, either way, I think Spurs are going to be happy to just play on the counter. We've seen with Conte, mm -hmm. he's going to try and limit your big chances and keep the game as low scoring as possible and take you to the deep end and drown you, um, especially with that front three that he has there. But is there going to be one pressure from maybe the crowd at Old Trafford, but pressure from the situation United find themselves in, having drawn on the weekend and with these two games coming up, to be the aggressors and try and go for Spurs, which I think will probably play into Spurs' hands? I think they might have to, you know, because the let's not forget the Ammonia game um, at Old Trafford on the Thursday because that was painfully bad. Um, I don't care if the goalkeeper had a worldie. You're playing against a mid-table Cypriot team um, that is managed by Neil Lennon. Um, that's not good. Um, yeah, the Newcastle game, I think the highlights package was basically just Ronaldo getting a yellow card for scoring that free kick, uh, which he nabbed <laughs> off from Poe. Um, yeah, it's an odd one with Man United because it seemed to just go from horrendously negative to overly positive and now it's just kind of gone back to meh. Um, and I know they're still doing all right in the league, to be fair, with uh, three wins out of the last five. But their loss in that was a 6-3 loss to Man City, which didn't help. Um, but you are right. that I think the Chelsea game might be more winnable because obviously Chelsea under Potter will want the ball more. Um, but your man, let's be fair, your man United, I don't care if you're fifth, eighth, first, or whatever. If you're at Old Trafford, you still have to put on a you have to try and put on a show. And I think that may give the advantage to Spurs. But I think I've said this every time Spurs have played Man United in the past, <laughs> and then Man United just beat them. <laughs> so it might be just one of them where they have a curse over them. I think logically you'd pick Spurs to win. But football's not logical. Um so I'm nah. going to go. Unless you're Conte, logical and effective. No, 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 we've been over there's, there's Conte logic and then there's Spurs logic. Um, <laughs> they do not counter each other. Spurs, Spurs will probably pack the midfield as well, because if Richarlison's injured and Kulisevsky, it'll probably be Basuma who comes in. So it's going to be even an ugly game in that regard. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Man United, and both their goals are on the break. And Spurs just can't break down 12 men behind the ball. Uh, but that's only because I'm used to Man United beating Spurs. Logic, I would say Spurs would win. But I'm going with one here. Wow. And I'm assuming Rashford's going to be involved in one of those counter-attack goals, well, right? He, he is, because I just brought... I brought. I don't know why I did this, because I don't know why Arsenal v Man City's postponed, if you know. I have no idea. Um... I got rid of Gross, uh, Pascal Gross for Rashford, and I didn't realise they had Chelsea afterwards as well, so that was a mistake, but I don't care. My FPL died when Liverpool did. Um, but yeah, I brought Rashford in, so he's probably either going to do nothing or do nothing. Interesting stuff. Mm. Look, um, for me, I think uh, it's going to be the opposite. I'm going with logic and effective. Um, in Conte, we trust. I think Conte is going to give the ball to Man United and he's going to allow the, the crowd to pressure Man United into playing more and more aggressive, getting higher and higher up the pitch. And it's going to be back and back to the, the tried and tested true number one partnership in Premier League history. 
according to the numbers. Kane, long ball to Son. Son hits it into the back of the net. And again, Kane, long ball to Son. Son hits the back of the net. 2-0 to Spurs. They're going to go to Old Trafford, take all the points. I think Man United are going to get suckered into getting more and more courageous with their football, and they're going to bring their line higher and higher, and it's going to lead to a very, I guess, disappointing game for Man United. Now, look, the Arsenal game has been postponed um, because Arsenal's previous month's game against PSV Eindhoven was um, has been moved to this coming Thursday. So uh, Arsenal have okay. a midweek game. Um, obviously, they were meant to play a bit earlier, and then I think their game got postponed because um, of the Queen's passing, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, I think there was a police initiative, wasn't there? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so they've had to then move the Arsenal-Man uh, City game. In fairness, they probably are waiting until both those teams are, in, are at least three points away from each other before they can play that game. I think that's how it works legally. Uh, in the Premier League, Sky won't allow them to do it any other way. It's going to have to be on a Tuesday night by itself with nothing else to watch on TV. Um, and there's going to be a three-point gap between I'm sure, them. I'm sure and, Amazon are over the moon with that as well. Yeah, yeah, must be absolutely thrilled with that. But to be, to, to be fair, look, um, it should be a good game when it does come around. Guy, we move on to Fulham versus Aston Villa. You know, two teams certainly not three points away from mm-hmm. each other. Or they are. Oh. Twice. No. Exactly three no. points away no. from each other. You when lie. You consider, when you consider the season that Fulham oh have had God. this season and the way people have spoken to, about them, and then the season that Aston Villa have had this season and the way that people have spoken about them, there is only a two-goal difference between them and only three points between them. Villa are in 16th with nine points. Fulham are in 11th point, uh, 11th place with 12 points. So it, it's quite a congested Premier League, and it's quite interesting what narratives sort of form in the Premier League. Because if 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 you listen to the narrative alone, you'd think Fulham are at least 10 points ahead of Aston Villa in the season that they've had this season. But anyway, it, this is going to be a Craven Cottage. Fulham are looking to kind of wrestle their season back onto course. I mean, they've they've only won one of their last five games. They had that draw last time out against Bournemouth. Um, Heading into this week, I think Fulham would have looked at their fixtures and said, look, we've got a home game against Bournemouth, and then we've got a home game against Aston Villa. If we can get six points from that, that one, it's, it's doable. And two, it would really leave us in good stead for when we go away to Leeds at the end of the week. But now, Guy, they they found themselves in a bit of a tricky situation. As I said, one win in their last five games. They come up against an Aston Villa side who, to be fair to them, played okay last time out. I know they didn't get the result they wanted, the, the 2-0 loss to Chelsea. But they played okay, you know, all things considered. Can they give that same performance against Fulham? Because I think if they give that same performance and application against Fulham, they could definitely come away with something in that game. Can they deal with Mitrovic, though? Um, 
we saw Tyron Ming struggle to win the ball against air. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's an odd one. I didn't realise they were that close, but maybe it's just because there's... Well, we are 10 games. The old saying is, look at the league after 10 games. Um, yeah, it is odd how the two... But I suppose Villa's heights must be set higher than 16th, seeing as they spend a lot of money. Um and they don't have any like direction or anything when you watch them. Also, it did come out today. I'm not sure if you've seen because you're obviously coming home from work. Um, it looks like they're trying to get Pochettino in, or the Telegraph reported that. So, looks like Gerard's very, very much so on his last legs. Um, maybe they're just waiting for someone to say yes, then sack Gerard. Um, opposed to the Wolves' way of doing things, where you sack <laughs> the manager and then decide who you want to bring in, and then go. Let's get our old manager back. <laughs> um, yeah, there's two different ways to do that. But no, Villa, yeah, they did look good against Chelsea for, for a half. Um, you still didn't put the ball in. I know Kepper had a worldie, and I'm not going to begrudge it, but you did miss some sitters in there. I think Bailey headed over from about an inch out. Ings, it was a worldie save, don't get me wrong, but he should have buried that. Um, Ramsey, that's maybe the best one of the better saves from Kepper, but again, if you lift it a bit, it goes in. Um, so yeah, just, and if that's your good performance, and we've seen it already, they, they gave Man City trouble. They just seemingly don't get up against the rest of the league. Um, whereas Fulham, I think Fulham have been a tough test for everyone. Apart, was it Newcastle who battered them when they were 10 men? Or was it Brentford? It was Newcastle. It was Newcastle, yeah. Yeah. Newcastle. yeah, so I think other than them, and maybe West Ham who beat them 3-1, um, Fulham have been a tough game for everyone, really. Um, I think that's probably the difference is where everyone thought Fulham will finish 20th or 19th, and there's no debate here. They've been horrid to play against. Um, they've given everyone a tough go, um, except Newcastle, but they did have a sending off after about 30 seconds. Um Mitrovic has been injured as well. He comes back. I know it was a penalty, but he scores straight away. Um, he comes back against Tyron Mings, who, as I said, lost a aerial duel against nobody. Cons <laughs> um, is not the same player. They've got Ashley Young, who, again, we mentioned, we keep mentioning rotation. He will have to be rotated. And they have no other options there. So it might be like Chambers or something out of position or something weird like that, or maybe a young lad. Um but it's going to be odd um, for for Villa, I reckon. Um, I am going to back the Fulham win. I think Mitrovic will give them absolute nightmares, and I'm going to go three-one Fulham. Oh, a three-one Fulham win. Does that sort of say sayonara to Steven Gerrard? Is that enough? I think I think he's gone already. To be honest, um, I think they just, as I say, I think they're just waiting for someone to say yes. By all accounts, it's Pochettino, but. There's rumours about Unai Emery and stuff like that. And meh. But, yeah, I think Gerard, the fan base seems to really dislike him, which is obviously a big factor, because if you're doing bad, like, let's take Forrest, they all love Steve Cooper and can see and want to keep faith in him. I think it's the opposite with Gerard. Um, they don't see the progress and they don't trust him to, to turn it around because there's no connection there. Um, it's sad for me as a Liverpool fan, but it, if you're not showing the progress or even hinting at progress in, in what you're doing. I mean, he took over when they were 16th last year. They're 16th now. Um, and they look probably worse than what Dean Smith was doing um, when he had Grealish and stuff like that, obviously. But, um, 
yeah, no progress, no signs of progress. I think if you can get a bigger name signing manager, but it doesn't have to be a bigger name signing. Look at people like Brighton and Brentford, Thomas Frank, Graham Potter. Um, I think Frank was their assistant manager and Potter obviously came from Swansea, then the Swedish league. It doesn't have to be a big name. It just has to be the right name. Um, and I think that's what Aston Villa should probably learn. Definitely. And they've got the resources to to definitely climb up the league if, if they get the right manager in there. Well, I think... For this one, logic gets thrown out the window, and Gerard has a last, you know, act of defiance and gets a two-one win in this game. Um, yeah, we can't begrudge Mitrovic that goal, so I've gone with two-one in this one, guy. Let's head off to the last game of the midweek fixtures. It's Leicester versus Leeds United. Now, this is an interesting game for me because we've got Leeds who seem to be just dropping down the table pretty fast. Um, and we've got Leicester who have shown some sort of resurgence. Um, it's not quite fully there yet. But they've shown something. They've shown something, guy. Like, before they had nothing. Like, I, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything from them a while back. They've shown something. Like, even in the Leicester game, they showed something. Bar, the Bar Madison game. just... Um, I mean, the Palace game. Yeah, but Bar Madison just, you know, diving to try and get the penalty. I thought they showed an appetite for for the game. And coming up against the lead side that isn't playing well at the moment, I don't know if there are many teams. I mean, they've already played Nottingham Forest. How many other teams do you want to be playing in as poor form as Leeds are at the moment? The only issue for them is I think Leeds' poor form is only on paper. I think on the field they're playing okay. And I think they've been unlucky in a few of their games. Um, Certainly the weekend, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So I think Leicester are going to be in for a rude awakening, even though they were meant to have a revival um, and, and they would be looking at this game as one that they would have a revival. I think Leeds go out and win this game 1-0. I was thinking something similar. Um, Madison suspended as well for Leicester, so that is creativity gone I mean that's the link in the team gone as well albeit I like Jewsby Hall um, but Evans is missing uh, who else is missing I'm looking at Leicester uh, Leeds indeed he's missing Evans missing Bertrand doesn't really matter and Pereira is always injured nowadays so I, I think that's quite a, that's basically your spine right there apart from your striker but that keeps ch- um, changing every week as well yeah, I agree with you. Leeds look good. Um, I think that we mentioned it with um, with Aston Villa. There, they're on the same points. I think people see what Jesse Marsh is trying to do, whereas people don't see what Gerard's doing. Um, and to be fair, Jesse Marsh has kind of had that the turnaround from last season. He did it without Patrick Bamford, who came on against Arsenal, looked rusty and missed a penalty, obviously. But he's a striker, and he's a very good striker, which we saw from his first year in the Premier League and uh, with Leeds. Um, so if he clicks, Sinistera looks promising. We know Jack Harrison's good. Rodrigo looks like a to improve massively under um, Jesse Marsh. Um, and there's other other options there, obviously. But I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'll back Leeds in this. It wouldn't surprise me if Leicester get a result because Leeds are obviously, as we say, playing well, but not getting the results. So if that continues, so be it. But I'll go. I'll go for a two-one to be different to Leeds. 
a 2-1 win to Leeds, and that will be a clean sweep for Leeds um, from predictions from me and Guy. But Guy, thanks so much for joining me for this midweek mayhem. Um, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, I was on uh, the post-match show, which is called Post-Match Raw, which is where the confusion came from there. Um, so if you're a Liverpool fan or a City fan, or even a neutral fan, if you just want something to listen to, it'd be a bit weird to listen to a Liverpool show, but you might do. Um, yeah, that's over in Anfield Index. I have to step in for Trev, who usually hosts. He's, he's the one with the nice Irish voice. I have the horrid northeast voice, <laughs> as you could tell. Um, but I was on that, and I'm sure I'll be on other stuff in the coming days over in Anfield Index, so go check out stuff over there perfect and then guys from my end go and check out all the content on epr index website their match previews post-match reviews player performances all of the news that you guys could wish for um of course there's the daily podcast show it's a two-footed podcast with dave hendrick um finally also go check out the flagship show that runs weekly it's the epr roundtable where kev devries sits down with panelists from respective epr teams they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the epr i think i'm on that show either this week or next week um go follow this show on the twitter page at a tad predictable uh follow at epl index on twitter subscribe to epl index podcast channel on your podcast providers guys give us five stars write positive comments that stuff really goes a long long way away for us um i've been to the you can find me on twitter at tad predict Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy One for One for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, and he was in front of the mic this week, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational! Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from you! Sports Social Podcast Network.